Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell, as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be made so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hire the Smile, where Katie Argoline and I talk about all things HR in the veterinary profession. Katie, how are you today? Michael, I'm doing well, thanks. Good. We have an interesting subject. You see that? I went right into not talking about the weather. I know. So, people are going to be sad. I know. No, they won't. No, they won't. So here's something that is front in mind on pretty well every practice owner I know, and I think which means probably every associate, every staff member, and that is I don't know if there's a place in the world that is not facing high inflation, rising interest rates, big, gloomy fears of recession. And so I think an obvious and timely subject is how does one manage your staff in the face of a recession? I'm almost getting deja vu of having the same conversation about two and a half years ago. It's like, and how do you deal with this global pandemic? It's a challenge, or as you like to say, it's a bit of a pickle. Dilly. We got a lot of articles. So Katie, start us off. Right on. Okay. So the first article that we came upon was from Forbes just from last week. Uh, It's called Three Steps to Prepare for the Engagement Recession. So I thought this is a really interesting link between the traditional ways that we think about cutting costs when we're faced with a recession and the possible effect that that might have on staff. Traditionally, companies cut people-related expenses when there are economic challenges. So whether it's layoffs or cutting expenses like continuing education and maybe pulling back on internal growth opportunities. The author says that this is going to likely lead to disengagement, which is absolutely true. People feel like they're less valuable. So we always talk about how people are you know, most important asset. And then when we have tough economic times, for some people, it's like, well, we got to look at the payroll and just cut that back. So you can see how people would feel less valuable. As we have people who get disengaged, there's a cost associated with that that we've talked about before. This article references a Gallup poll that found that actively disengaged employees cost their employers 34% of their annual salary and lost productivity. As an example, if we're thinking about typical registered veterinary technician working at a small animal practice, they might be making $25 an hour. It's about $17,000 per year in lost productivity if that person is engaged. So that is uh, pretty significant. I read that and I was kind of blown. Like I, I knew there was a price, but that was like a huge price. Yeah. And I mean, think about a veterinarian or manager or something like that. Uh, and it can really add up and be damaging for your clients as well. What I like with this article is when I'm talking to practice owners lately, a lot of them are talking about like they have otherwise really engaged employees, whether it's a veterinarian's 
vet assistant, RVT, what have you. And But lately, let's say the last three, four months, there's been this creeping disengagement, which I guess would be kind of similar to that quiet quitting that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. What's causing all this? So, I mean, and we talked about that in the last episode, but if you're going to lose 34% of their productivity, we've got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we think about, you know, there's the cost of the disengaged employee and the effect that it has on your bottom line. And then, of course, the cost that is associated with people who just start leaving because they see, okay, well, other people are getting let go or we're cutting back things here. And it doesn't seem like the company cares about us like they say they do. When somebody leaves, we have to remember that it could be so expensive to replace them. So anywhere from, you know, a quarter to two times their yearly salary to replace you're thinking about, okay, this might be a short-term cut, but when I need to replace this person, whether it's you cut them on purpose or not, and it's hard enough to find veterinary staff right now, it's nearly impossible. So uh, we really have to think about all of the costs that are associated with just sort of going in and clear-cutting staff when we're faced with economic pickle. So can I just interject for one sec? I was reading this article and, you know, I think a lot of these articles are in the corporate world and you see all these layoffs, these tech companies mm. are laying off people, what have you. I mean, I can't imagine a vet practice in North America yeah, just letting go of people just because it's so hard to get people now. And But I think the more insidious problem is just that lack of engagement. Like, yeah, I've got mm-hmm. a job, but I just don't care. Exactly. Well, and I can tell the company, you know, they're pulling back things that have made me like working here yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, sort of unapologetically. So yeah, what this article talks about is, you know, salaries and, and offering flexibility, you know, pay and flexibility are the basics when we're looking at making sure we keep our engagement up. But we also need to consider strategies to build community and nurture an employee's professional growth as well. I know during COVID, it was sort of like, okay, well, that all sort of has to go by the wayside because we're just trying to survive, which I think is fair. But we're sort of coming out of that a little bit now. We need to think more long-term. Strategies that are positive in this article. One is listen. Surprise, surprise. Listen to your team's concerns. Have one-on-ones with them. And talk frankly about how the challenges that you are facing will affect your practice and potentially affect them as well. Being upfront. Like we always talk about the power of transparency, something you need to think about. Telling the team they're appreciated and that their work matters. We've talked about that ad nauseum as well, you know, making sure people feel appreciated. And full disclosure that this article was written by somebody who has a mentoring software company. So the other strategy they talk about is starting or expanding a mentoring program. Bias aside, I think this is still an excellent idea. And it's a real way to have people be sort of connected with somebody in your organization and and thinking a little more long term. So there are a couple of different types of mentoring that they they touch on briefly in this article. Uh, And I thought it was actually interesting way to maybe think differently a little bit about who should be mentoring who. So we've got high potential mentoring, whereas where you put somebody who's junior with somebody who's more senior, help them develop leadership skills. So help them sort of think beyond just being an individual contributor. Uh, This is my favorite. So there's another one that's reverse diverse mentoring, which is where junior staff mentor more senior staff, helping leaders understand other generations and backgrounds and help the juniors get more exposure and face time with the senior members of the staff. And uh, when I read this, it it made me think back to where my first HR job at an accounting firm where uh, somebody came in, somebody who was a lawyer, and they'd been working for a long time, and they were sort of stepping down and doing something different. And they called me in to teach him how to use a computer full stop. 
He didn't know what a mouse was. He didn't know how to do anything. He didn't understand a double click. So it just made me chuckle a bit at that memory. He was actually a really nice guy, but like, we need you to teach him how to, you know, be in that modern society. Uh, 21st century. Yeah, exactly. So that was pretty funny. And then the third way of mentoring they talk about is open mentoring. So just designing a program that all employees can benefit from. And I'm assuming here you would have different people paired up with different people, maybe across, you know, you might have a veterinarian paired up with a member of the support staff or something like that. So just looking at at who you have and what they could benefit from and building something around that. So I I thought it was a really interesting article. And, you know, thinking about that relationship between the economy and, and what's happening, what you might need to do to keep your practice afloat, but also the effect that it has on your staff as well and on engagement. Yeah. And I think for those who are listening, who are really financially driven, I think this article is like the cost for this disengaged employees or cutting employees is far higher than keeping them Mm -hmm. through a recessionary time. I think one thing we have to keep in mind with the recession is they happen. We've gone a heck of a long time without one. I mean, the last one is almost 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. They often happen historically like every eight to 10 years. So we are due. Mm -hmm. The good news is they don't typically last real long. When you're starting or in the midst of it, it seems like it's going to last forever. But honestly, most of them last between a year to two years, year and a half. So, I mean, we could have a lot of discussion about how financially you prepare for it, but that's not the subject of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we need to have this long-term view that we're going to get through it. Uh, we are in a profession that is relatively, and I'm emphasizing the word relatively resistant to recessionary pressures. And so, you know, when you see other industries like Facebook showing like double digit drop in growth and what have you, it, it's very easy for us to get caught up and go, oh my God, that's going to happen to us. And it, Unlikely. It's really mm-hmm. unlikely, you know. And so I just was looking at even recently some of these metrics of what the industry is doing compared to a year ago. And revenue is still up. Like the last I looked at it, it was like six percent of about two thousand small animal practices compared to the same period last year. So I think as leaders, we don't have to know that it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like it every time you go into the recession because there's all this other stuff, as I said, inflation, interest rates, yeah. wars, what have you. But we we tend to get through them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Article I really liked is from a Forbes magazine. And this, again, is called uh, Three-Way Leaders Prevent an Economic Recession from Becoming a Trust Recession. And I like this because she talks about, yes, there's the economic. We all know about that. But she talks about that can also lead to a double recession where we have a trust recession. So basically, it refers to sentiments of growing mistrust in government, media, and other institutions and inside organizations within our vet practice. And I think there's a lot of reasons to be mistrustful of organizations, uh, media. I think the pandemic, and they allude to this in the article as well, has exacerbated a lot of them. But as leaders of practices, I think it's up to us to make sure that we maintain trust because when you start having a lack of trust, what happens? People leave the practice, they start getting the disengagement, and we just already talked about the financial impact of it. So I have another article later on that I'm going to talk about, sort of summarizes some of the things they do in this article, some additional ones about how to deal with it. I just thought it was interesting to think about 
that we need to maintain trust. It's a hard time, but as a practice leader, that's something that we need to really keep to the forefront of what we're doing is like, how do I maintain trust? Because it is such an unstable time. And I think we're coming more and more suspicious. Mm-hmm. Well, you've talked before about how trust is such a key part of having a healthy company culture and how hard sure. it is to win back trust after it's been lost. So definitely something that you need to think about. For sure. Uh, should we take a break? We should. We'll be right back. Do you sense that there's something not quite right with your company's culture? Is your team functioning below its potential with formerly enthusiastic staff now doing the bare minimum? Do you wish you could get an honest report card on your practice's culture and the impression you are making as an owner or a manager? It can be difficult to take action when you don't know what's wrong. If we don't address issues and challenges, we risk losing even our most dedicated and loyal staff. We don't always have a reliable way to get honest feedback on how people feel about the company or even on our own performance as owners or managers. This is where the Oculus Employee Engagement Survey comes in. Employee engagement is defined as the degree to which employees are willing to go above and beyond to ensure their teammates and clients are taken care of, and it also measures the level of commitment that they have to your organization. Highly engaged workforces contribute positively to the bottom line in a number of ways, including higher productivity, fewer mistakes, and better client care, just to name a few. The employee engagement survey itself is a series of 33 questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with areas for comments from staff. The survey itself is a series of 33 confidential questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with an area for comments from your staff. We also conduct optional one-on-one interviews with experienced Oculus professionals to gain more context and insight. Nothing specific is shared. Staff can rest assured that there's no feedback that they're going to share that will come back to haunt them in the future. We produce a final report with reasonable, actionable recommendations. And having conducted dozens of employee engagement surveys, we are the only company able to provide vet industry-specific benchmarking data so practices can see how they stack up against other vet practices worldwide. We found that after conducting an employee engagement survey, practices know exactly where they stand with their staff and are able to make transparent, meaningful changes that result in a more engaged workforce. Owners appreciate the insights into how their actions and the company culture are affecting their team. Some even conduct surveys on a regular basis to see how they've been progressing and to detect any brewing issues before they become significant. To learn more about the Oculus Employee Engagement Survey Package, head over to our website, oculusinsights.ca, send us an email at info at oculusinsights.net, or reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Mention that you're a Hire the Smile listener to receive a special discount on your own employee engagement survey. All right, Katie, what is your next article as we're talking about how to manage your team during rough economic times? Mm -hmm. So I've got an article from sifted.eu, which is one I haven't seen before. Uh, Title is how to manage employees during an economic downturn. So uh, strategies here, it's a bullet pointed list, my favorite thing in the world. The first is communicate, which we've talked about before. That three steps article I talked about, you really can't communicate too much. Uh, And just keeping in mind that in the absence of communication, particularly during a crisis or during tough times, people make up their own stories and it can lead to insecurity. So you need to get out ahead of it and make sure people have the actual information that they need 
to make decisions and help them kind of navigate what's going on. So it clearly explaining how the market environment affects your business specifically, how it might affect it in the future, provide regular updates. And as you mentioned before, making sure they know that this is a fluid situation, you know, recession isn't permanent and neither is the situation with the company. And just making sure that you're really diligent about keeping up with the communication if anything changes. I think that's a huge part of things. And again, related to trust, related to transparency, these are all things that you really need to think about uh, if you want to keep your staff engaged and at your practice. So the second thing that they talk about is, and again, like we said before, it's this likely doesn't affect vet practices so much, but if they do have to happen, keeping transparency around layoffs. So explaining the decision to those who stay as well as those who go, be honest about how layoffs might affect the company in the short term, and don't do this via email. I think we learned during COVID, (laughs) please don't fire a thousand people in a Zoom meeting. Like It needs to be a little more personal than that. So no text messaging either. Yeah. No, like don't come into work today because you don't have a job. Please don't do that. The flip side of this, and I think for us is for the vet industry is you might be putting a freeze on hiring new people. So it's not necessarily layoffs, but you might hold back on bringing people onto the team and that might directly affect other people who are doing the work right now. So I think that you still need to be upfront about that as well. Okay. So number three, make sure that work harder isn't your strategy for your remaining or your current staff. And I think this is something that we saw. Unfortunately, this is something that evolved during COVID uh, when we had people off very unexpectedly. You have to adjust your expectations. You're not going to get 100% of the work from 70% of the staff unless you want people to burn out. Uh, You know, you just can't uh, put it all on the remaining staff to carry the torch and to do all of the work. It can be hard for a practice owner to wrap their head around this because they're like, well, I can't turn work down. It's like, well, you either sort of think about how you're scheduling and think about your resources, or you're going to have people who are leaving or people who are burned out. So again, it's like short-term gain, long-term pain. Prioritize important perks as well. So if you have a long list of perks or things that you offer to the team, think about what's important to the team. Maybe ask them what's vital and what's nice to have. Like, obviously, if you have health benefits, those are vital, but maybe you can talk about pizza Fridays happening less frequently or, or something like that. But just don't assume what people value either, because you might think, oh, my gosh, I can't get rid of like muffin Monday. But uh, maybe people are like, oh, I've already had too many carbs over the weekend. So <laughs> make sure you ask people. Uh, so the fifth strategy to manage employees during an economic downturn is motivate your team to stay, which I feel like is like the whole point of what you and I talk about every t- couple of weeks on this podcast. Uh, it's hard to find people in the first place, get them trained and competent, make sure that with your existing staff, you're reiterating company core values, the purpose, the vision, making sure that people understand how their individual efforts contribute to company goals as well. Keeping culture up and in the forefront keeping your values up and in the forefront as well. And again, using your values, if you have to, to explain decisions that you're making uh, and making sure that your decisions do align with your values. A great article. I have one that's very complimentary. It's from a new journal for me, and it's from Business News Daily. It's from earlier this year, the end of June. Five tips for guiding your team through a rough patch. And A lot of these are repeats of yours, but there's a couple that I thought were unique and really pertinent to what we're talking about. And one of their points is find the lessons to be learned. And that is, you know, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to have false steps as we're dealing with this. 
It's going to happen. Accept it. Learn from them. Share the mistakes. And so this gets into the transparency. Uh, so others don't repeat it within your organization. But I thought what was really important about this is that don't blame others within the team or create animosity with mm. amongst your team. I mean, mm. we're all pretty fragile right now. Uh, mm. Leaders all the way down to the newest person. I mean, just don't point fingers at any staff members. And I think one thing we have to remember is, yes, it's tough for us being leaders of a practice. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people responsible for us, but put yourself in the shoes of the people that work for you. It's expensive. Life's expensive now. There's a lot of uncertainties. And so not everybody's at their best. And so by pointing fingers, it's just going to make things worse. But I think as a leader, one of the things that we really can do, and I think is critical, is to share our vision for the future. Like, hey, this is a recession. We have a plan to get through it. We got through the pandemic. We got through the Great Recession in the late 2008, 2009. So be clear and communicate over and over. As you said, you can't communicate too often on these things about how the company is going to move forward and how the employees are going to help. And you know, you need to say it a lot. Just don't say it once and think they've all heard it. You know, it's like talking to a client about how to treat something or how to prevent obesity in their dog or cat or horse or whatever is the message has to repeat often along with that, though. But as we're going along and you have your plan in place, you know, celebrate the wins that you have, whether they're large or small. We don't have Muffet Mondays, but hey, you know, we, we did this and we thought that our sales were going to be down 5% in you know, September, but they're only down 2% way to go. Uh, we got some new clients, way to go. And I think having that positive, and I think that's one of the hardest things as a leader is amidst all this chaos, uncertainty, stresses, you still have to portray this exude confidence. Mm -hmm. The last point they had, and I think, again, this is, we probably reiterate this in every episode is to ask for honest feedback and listen to people. I was thinking, and I've talked and a couple of podcasts ago about the stay interview and those questions. And I've had the opportunity to use those questions since that podcast. And that kind of feedback has been really helpful for me to gauge where people are within the organization, what kind of support they need, just the general mood of things. So asking for that feedback, listening to it, and respecting it is really key. But the last point I want to make is when you're asking for that feedback, they sort of suggest like three very, let's get to the root of the, of the issue. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not like be vague. So how is this recession affecting you and your team? What changes do you think would most benefit the company? What can I do to better support you and your team? So it's very direct questions. And I think people want directness. Mm -hmm especially when in uncertainty, if you're not being wishy-washy, people respect that. And that, again, builds that trust factor. Yeah, it's a good one. The point off the top of that article about pointing fingers and blaming, and again, just a plug for if you're in a management or a leadership position and you're like, somebody's not doing something they're supposed to do. Think about how you might've contributed to this problem Absolutely. in the beginning. Did this person get trained? Did they get shoved into a position with no support and you just assume that they would magically learn how to be a leader or learn how to do payroll or whatever it is. Think about the support that you've given them and, and don't just use them as a scapegoat because things have, have gone wrong and you've sort of made a desperation move. So can't really highlight that too much. Yep. Okay. So the final article here, another 
bullet point list, again, my favorite, uh, six ways to support employees during challenging times. This is from hrexecutive.com from March of this year. So not necessarily economy related per se, but still sort of relevant to what's going on. So the first thing here is recognize it's okay to not be okay. Humans aren't wired to face a ton of uncertainty. So be available as a leader, as a manager, if needed. Make sure you're willing to show vulnerability. Again, help build trust and a stronger team. Being vulnerable, sharing the struggles that you have, signals that you're in this together and you can empathize with what's going on with them. Mind your own mental health as a leader. We've talked about this in a couple of podcasts as well. Stay informed, but avoid doom scrolling. So avoid, uh, like my mother did during COVID, like having CNN on 24 hours a day. It's like, what is this going to get you other than make you feel bad? Just make sure that you're having a balanced approach to the news that you're consuming. I am reading so many more fiction books now than (laughs) I ever have because it's like, I want to know the major news and then I just stop because you can just get down and you can get down and dirty and low. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. It talks about just maintaining healthy habits, stay connected with family, friends, and colleagues, set boundaries with work as well, respect working hours and be clear on deadlines. And I think that this is something that is as a leader, respect other people's boundaries and work, you know, working hours and things like that as well, but also your own, you know, don't be working at 1am because you think you need to, you probably don't need to be working at 1am. I get a sense of foreshadowing, Katie. Uh, okay. So number three, lead with empathy. We talked about empathy a couple of times already. So, you know, asking people, are you okay? What do you need? How can I help meet people where they are and don't judge, don't compare them to your own situation. And I think this is something obviously that came up so much during COVID, you know, people with different life situations, kids, parents to look after whatever challenges they were, everybody's challenge is a challenge to them, whether you think it's better or worse than what you have to face. So just being empathetic, don't judge, don't compare to your own situation and keep the door open. So again, keep the lines of communication open. There's a theme here. Do frequent check-ins to see people, how people are doing and what they need. Uh, And then the going along with checking in with people is take action. So do something about it. The feedback that you get, don't just listen, keep people informed. What is it that you can implement to make things better be open about specifics and timelines. And if you don't know, or there's something you just can't do, the company can't do, be upfront about that as well. Six point last point here is make resources easily accessible. Uh, and I know from my days of being operations manager at your practice, you tell people things and you're like, why do I have to tell them 15 times about a link to some kind of a resource? And it, it, you just have to keep pushing things in front of people. So there are company resources that you have, you know, you might have an employee assistance program that's available for people to use, make sure that they know about it and they know how to access it. You might know how to use your internal network really, really well, but the person who's been there for three months might not. So don't assume that people are going to be able to find the information they need. Also making sure that your managers, you know, might have multiple locations or, or whatever, make sure they know what's around and what's available as well. So they can be a first point of support for people too. And you don't have to go through layers like, oh, I'll ask the owner about this or whatever. Make sure they're informed as well. This last point really reminds me, I was walking to work today and I was just sort of thinking about an adjacent subject of this. And I think if you are a certain age, so you remember life before Facebook mm. or a lot of internet. And so that's a lot of practice owners. 
just demographically, it just makes sense. There was a lot less information vying for our attention 14, 15 years ago. Right. And you just think of just the onslaught that we get now, uh, things grabbing our attention. So I think that really tells us that, no, people are not stupid and people are not, not paying attention. It's just that when you say, here's a resource that you may not uh, need, it's being sort of pigeonholed or, or stuck in, in, in the memory of gazillion other things that they've been exposed to to that day. And so that's why I think just by repeating it and coming back, repeating it and coming back, it helps people remember like, oh yeah, this is important. So, Absolutely. So a good roundup of articles with this one, I got to say. I would say between all these articles, there's probably at least 80 points. So there's something so for everybody points. here. For <laughs> it's everybody. a grab bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Halloween. Exactly. <laughs> Just a delicious HR Halloween. No calories, no cavities. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So we have a listener question. I'm going to read it. Uh, this is a really great one. And I think really relevant. So I'm an associate in a five vet mixed animal practice. I'm really trying to set boundaries between work and my personal life because over the last couple of years, I've been overwhelmed by work and my personal and family life has suffered. The problem is that the practice owner, another vet is emailing and texting me and other staff after hours and is encouraging us to be available for our large animal and equine clients when we're not working because he's worried about losing business in the recession. I love my job and the people I work with, but my personal time is my time and the lack of separation from work is making me sour on the job. What can I do to make my boss realize that we are not at his beck and call at all times? Michael, any thoughts? Yeah, I've got a few. It's really a timely question. I would have a different answer, I think, three years ago than I would now. Mm -hmm. Right now, uh, as an employee, as a veterinarian, you're kind of in the driver's seat and you have a position to say and start talking about boundaries. And I think the hardest part about establishing boundaries is actually saying, I need boundaries and not thinking of it as a weakness or thinking you're going to be reprimanded. I think this is an opportunity to educate the practice owner that you need boundaries, why they're important. If you are a practice owner and you're wondering the same thing, like why, you know, uh, this is the way we've always done it, just sort of uh, what we've been talking about for the last half hour, people need to be separated from work and their personal life. And mm -hmm. you'll have happier, better, more engaged vets. So there is an economic advantage. So sometimes if you need to talk to a practice owner, you can throw up the statistic. When we're disengaged, we're 34% less productive. I want to bring the complete me when I work. And when there's only so much of me to give in a day and it's being spread out, you're getting mediocre me. So do you want mediocre me or do you want great me? Are my numbers decreasing? No. Uh, have you heard complaints about me? No. So is this a me problem or is this, uh, this is the way we've always done it problem. And this is a new world and I need to step away a little bit. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I think, you know, in some jurisdictions too, now we have laws that are supposed to keep management or keep bosses from contacting their staff outside of hours. So, you know, you would hope that your staff would never go to that, that length with you with saying, Hey, like you're breaking the law and I'm reporting you or whatever, but something to think about. And obviously it's, it's something that is not just a problem or a challenge in the veterinary industry. It's everywhere. Talking to some people about this recently about boundaries and just talking to my own associates about this in the past, Bile as it's coming up in conversations, the hardest part about the boundary 
is realizing as the individual that you need to have them and, and then verbalizing it and saying, I need it and then sticking with it. So it's that first step. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating subjects. You know, um, the, the best part about talking about HR is that people stay the same. The situations always change. And boy, are the situations changing at a rapid pace lately. As a practice owner, your heads are spinning right now. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks, Katie. Talk soon. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.